Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest is... I'm Kylie Wilson. I am an instructor in the School of Communication and Mass Media here at Northwest. Welcome, Kylie. It's great to have you on the podcast today. As an instructor, so we always kind of like to gauge like what are our interviewees doing? So what classes are you teaching? How long have you been teaching? Um, Talk to us a little bit about what you do on a day-to-day basis. So here at Northwest, this is actually my first year, my first semester. So I'm still trying to get everything settled and figured out along the way, but I am teaching um, three sections of fundamentals of oral communication, so COM 102, and one section of intercultural intercultural communication, COM 225, and typically on a day-to-day basis, um, I go through lecture. We I try to do activities, but my classes are very much not just copy everything that's down on the PowerPoints and you know, regurgitate that information later on, I try to make it conversational. So we've gotten a little off track in my classes a little bit, but it always gets brought back and we try to make it fun for everybody involved that they could be like, oh yeah, we talked about this weird, obscure thing that kind of had to do with class and then they'll remember the concepts. So very informal, very conversational, how I lead my day-to-days anyway. I also feel like when the class is titled Fundamentals of Oral Communication, it's okay to sort of get off track as long as you're fundamentally communicating, right? I agree. I agree. We get off track and I start my days with a dad joke and I get maybe one student that'll laugh along with me. I get some pity laughs, but you know, we talk about all of that kind of stuff. And today we're talking about interpersonal relationships and fundamentals of oral communication. And I mean, we talked about friendships and I asked my students, I was like, why are your friends friends with you? And they all just kind of looked at me. I was like, <laughs> no, but seriously, what do we bring to the table? This is important. It, it matters. It impacts our relationships. <laughs> now that Calm 102 class, is that the one that is just speech that we all kind of think of, or is it something different than that? It is something different, actually. So there is a public speaking class. There are speech components that are required by the state of Missouri that we have to follow. So every student enrolled in um, Fundamentals of Oral com- uh, Communication has to do two speeches. We've got an informative speech and then a persuasive speech. But no, it's all about introducing you to the field of communication. So I taught about nonverbal communication in the last class that I taught before today. And nonverbal is one of my favorite things to teach just because it's everything surrounding the words that we say. So how we say things. And I always use the example as like when your parents would look at you and be like, don't take that tone with me. That's because you have that nonverbal communication. And everybody's like, oh, I've been told that a lot. And I was like, me too. We don't think we have a tone, but we do. And So we've taught nonverbal, verbal messages, of course, um, teaching interpersonal right now. We'll cover listening and then we will cover some speech, but it's typically not just a speech class, which I really like because there's a lot of students that, you know, we've got communication apprehension. We don't want to speak in front of other people. So not having it be solely dependent upon getting up in front of people and giving a speech, I think is really important. 
Because they say public speaking, right? The fear of public speaking is like more prevalent than the fear of death or something like that, right? People are afraid to speak in public. (laughs) You hear that you have to get up and give a speech and everybody just seems to shut down. And even the people who are the most confident of speakers, still their voices are shaky and they're like, I don't want people to judge me for this topic that I've chose or, you know, how I handled my information and I have to use eye contact. And I I've been teaching since 2014. So I've kind of mastered the teacher gaze where I can quickly shift my gaze throughout the room. They, they don't know how to do that. So they're like staring at one person the whole time. And it's so funny, but they work with what they got. Tell us a little bit about your career journey. What brought you here to Northwest? How did you get here? So it's actually funny. I did not think I was going to get this job when I interviewed. um, And I've told my boss the real story now. But when it started, um, I graduated with my PhD in the pandemic, and that was really tough to find jobs. Most of the interviews I had were on campus, but they were virtual. They were through Zoom, whatever it was. And so I got an interview and I was up late the night before preparing because I treat each new interview like something different. And I overslept a little bit. I overslept by like three or five minutes. And I woke up to a text from my now boss, Dr. Matt Walker. And he's like, Kylie, are you ready? And I was like, shoot, uh, I'm having, I'm having internet troubles. Like, give me just a minute. And I raced into my bedroom. I threw on a t-shirt or a, a shirt that I would teach in. I pulled my hair back just a little bit. So it looked somewhat professional. I think I had to rub yesterday's eyeliner off my face. Like It was a mess. And I was like, well, I've committed to this. I've got internet issues. So I was like, I'll just use my phone. So I have zoom on my phone up and I'm talking to everybody and we're like chit-chatting back and forth. And I was like, well, I'm not getting this job. So I might as well just be my really weird self. At one point I was like, if this was the voice, I would press the button and I'd turn my chair around and I'd choose you. And they all started laughing and I got off the phone. I was like, that did not go well. Like I felt so sad. I was angry with myself because I was like, everybody seems so nice. But I got a call a couple days later and he's like, oh, we got so involved in chit-chatting about what you teach and what you do. I forgot to talk to you about salary and you know these benefits and everything else that you would need to know when making a decision should you be selected. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, this is not a job offer. I just, we need to tell you this. And I was like, great. Like, that's awesome. I'm here for it. So he's telling me about everything. And I was like, awesome. He goes, so you should hear back soon. And I remember being like, he just did that for legal reasons. Like he had to, this is, this is what he does. And he calls me a couple days later and I was like, I am waiting about one other job offer. Can I let you know in a, in, in about a week? And he was like, yep, that's fine. Take your time. I was like, great. So I called him a week later and I was like, first and foremost, I want to thank you for giving me this time to make this decision and stuff. And I could just hear the sound in his voice. Like he just exhaled and I'm pretty sure he thought that I was going to turn the job down, but I was like, you know, if the, if the offer still stands, I want to take it. I want this job. I want to be here. I'm surprised that y'all want me not because of like, I don't have the skills or anything, but because I feel like I was a train wreck that day. I was so frustrated and flustered. And he was like, no, we loved it. And I was like, great, I'm here. <laughs> and so I signed my contract sight unseen. I'd been through Maryville to go to Kansas city. Cause I've got family in Kansas city, but I had not spent any amount of time, but I was like, eh, if these are the people that work there, these are the type of people I want to be a, in a group with. And 
So I signed the contract sight unseen. I started looking for places to live here in town and the rest is just kind of history. But <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, this is, this did not go well. This is not the way it was supposed to go. And they were like, no, we want you to come here. So <laughs> yeah. Moral of the story. You just never know when you get done with that interview. Right. Right. I mean, I did not feel good about it at all. And I'm so very thankful that I was my weird and quirky self because I think that was a big selling point. I mean, obviously I had the credentials, but you can have the credentials and not fit in with the program. And I think it made the world of difference that I was like, huh, I'm not getting this job anyway. So I'm just going to be weird. <laughs> worked in my favor this time. Yeah. I tell students that in mock interviews all the time that if you get in a situation where the person's talking to you and they forget to ask their questions or forget to tell you things like salary, mm -hmm. you're in a good place because that's, you remember Absolutely. that conversation and they probably remembered, you know, that you were just yourself and you were super, you know, uninhibited. And that's for a communications teaching degree. I bet that goes a really long way because you've got people who are very polished communicators mm -hmm. and then people who are natural communicators and being the natural communicator, you can't fake that. You either have it or you don't. So that probably right. did make a big difference. Well, and it was one of those things that, you know, they didn't ask for a teaching demonstration. And so I was like, well, this automatically means I'm not getting the job because every school wants to see how I teach They They can't sight and see me and offer me a contract without seeing me teach, but that's exactly what they did. And I'm so glad that they did because these first couple weeks of school, I mean, again, still trying to figure everything out, but I laugh with my students. I joke with my students in class. I mean, we do some learning of course too, but I feel like I'm just up there talking to friends and I, I feel so comfortable with people in my department that I have not felt this at other institutions. And, you know, I've heard the saying, once a bear cat, always a bear cat. And I, I genuinely feel that here. I, I didn't know what the acronym meant at first. And I asked somebody and I was like, huh, that makes sense because everybody's just been so welcoming so far. So, I mean, I'm glad that interview went the way that it did because I don't think I'd be here without it. What is your PhD in? And tell us why you chose that career path for yourself. My PhD is in communication studies from West Virginia University. I have a focus, a primary focus in health communication, a secondary emphasis in media effects. So I focus on um, mental health and health campaigns, less of the doctor-patient communication, but more of mass media, media effects. I did my dissertation on the opioid epidemic because that was huge in West Virginia and um, how news media can lead to further stigmatization of people who are using opioids. Um, so really interesting stuff. But ironically enough, when I started college, I was pre-med and I was going to be a medical doctor and we had some stuff happen. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And so I was talking to my public speaking professor. Cause I just seemed to have a really good relationship with him. And I was like, I don't know what to do. He's like, well, what are you good at? I was like, I'm good at talking. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he's like, you are. He's like, is there anything you want to do? I was like, I don't know, maybe like journalism or broadcasting. He's like, you could do that. So I got into the communication major at Monmouth college in Illinois, private liberal arts school. And I loved it, but it just wasn't really, there was something missing. So I transferred to Western Illinois University and there they're like, we do broadcasting as a separate major. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know that I can commit to just that. I'd rather have a more general communication and then focus within communication, not just broadcasting. And so I went calm and Dr. Bree McEwen, 
she was like, Kylie, you're a good student. You should go to grad school. And I was like, never thought about it. I was first gen college student that, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I was like, eh, I'll look into it. And so she, she brought something to class one day and she was like, no, seriously, look into this. I was like, okay. So I looked into it and I was going to go clinical psychology at first back kind of to that medical side of things. And then I started thinking, I was like, is that really what I want to spend my life doing? And I didn't, I I was like, I don't want to be too specialized, too focused to where I'm going to have the same routine day in and day out. Just the faces are going to change. And so I got into the master's program in communication and I started studying health communication with Dr. Mixo and Dr. Nathan Mixo was my thesis advisor. And I took some classes with him, but I worked with him, Dr. Josh Averbeck, Dr. Bree McEwen, and they all just kind of were like, girl, this is, this is your calling. This is what you do. And I was like, okay. Dave Zanola was my boss. I started teaching public speaking, which I know is not a class most people enjoy taking, but we kind of made it fun and we worked on things. And I took a little bit of a break in between my master's and my PhD. And then I was like, I need to get back. I want to be a college professor. And not that teaching at a community college would be a bad thing. It's just I wanted to be at a university, a small or mid-sized university and working with students where I know day in and day out, I'm coming in, I'm going to teach, I'm going to have office hours, I'm going to grade, I'm going to do the basic functions of teaching. But the conversations, even though I have three sections of the fundamentals of oral communication, those conversations are different every class period. Every section, even if it's both my Tuesday, Thursdays, they're going to be different than my Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I just, I needed something like that where I've got the stability, but my day-to-day is never going to be the same. And it's more than just the faces changing. So started pre-med and I was like, "Mm, nope, this is not for me. And kind of fell into communication and honestly fell in love with it along the way. And I know everybody in my family was like, so you're getting a degree in talking. And I was like, Sure, if that's what you want to think of it as, but I'm teaching these students and they're like, you're teaching them how to talk. And I was like, yep, and I'm really good at that. So, (laughs) you know, it's worked out. And, you know, everybody has been like, oh my gosh, Kylie, my my grandparents love being like our granddaughter, the doctor, Dr. Kylie Wilson. (laughs) And I'm like, y'all are adorable. You're so cute. (laughs) But they've just supported me along the way where it didn't matter that. I got a PhD instead of an MD. They just were like, do what makes you happy. And I fell into that. And, you know, I, I've never looked back. All three of my degrees are in communication studies and I couldn't be happier. That's a great story. <laughs> and now you're a doctor of talking. So you can tell <laughs> doctor of it's talking. not just a degree. You're a doctor. So you can write exactly. a prescription for a conversation. Exactly. So. I don't know about the prescriptions. I think you need the MD for that. Yeah. But. I do tell people all the time, I tell my students, I'm like, go home, talk to your roommate. We were studying the difference between like face-to-face synchronous communication and asynchronous. And I was like, the next time your roommate talks to you, just stare him in the face, don't answer, go start doing the dishes, make dinner, do something, and then come back and answer and see how weird it is. And they were like, I did that. And it was the weirdest thing. I was like, right because that's not how we handle synchronous communication. So there are those little like prescription assignments that I'm like, just try it out. Tell me what happens. I'm, I'm interested. You live with people. So you taught public speaking, mm-hmm. give us the, the cliff notes version of how to be a good public speaker, or maybe some things that people do when they're nervous that maybe they have to practice 
to kind of get rid of those ticks or something. What give us the down low on the public speaking, I guess. So my favorite thing about public speaking that I've ever done when I taught it, I had everybody turn their desks backwards. And one by one, I had them come up and tell some embarrassing story of themselves. And I always go first because I'm like, I'm not going to make you tell an embarrassing story and me not tell one. Like, that's not fair. So I would have them tell an embarrassing story. And I've gotten some strange ones along the way, some inappropriate ones that are just really funny. But once they're done, I'm like, okay, turn your desks back around. And I'm like, nothing more embarrassing is going to happen in this class. You literally told us one of your most embarrassing moments and you didn't see people's faces, but you could hear them laughing along with you. You were laughing along with them. So I think starting off like that, letting them know this is a safe place. This is a place where you can talk, you can do your speech, you can do what you need to, but nothing more embarrassing is going to happen. The other thing that I think public speakers should really focus on is giving their speeches in front of friends to practice. And I know we tell people go home and practice, give it to your roommate. And they're like, Oh, okay. And they just kind of mess around when they give it. But I always tell my students, seriously, give it to your roommates, give it to your best friends. And they, they're like, okay, well I did that. And all we did was laugh. And I was like, it's going to be easier to give it to a bunch of people who you see in this class, right? It's more difficult to, give a speech to somebody who you know is going to hear this and then see you repeatedly over and over again. When you're giving a speech to people that you don't know or people that you only see in this class, I mean, like after the semester, are they going to remember it? Probably not. I've never had a student come to me and be like, oh, I was telling my mom about all the speeches in class today. They don't remember theirs. Remember your speech because they're too busy worried about their speech. So scanning the room, If you're not good with eye contact, I've always been told to look right here on the forehead or right above the head. That works too. I just, I think right on the forehead is easiest because it really does look like you're looking people in the eye. I do that. Eye contact is weird for me. So yeah, right between the eyes. So I love eye contact. I have always loved it. And I always use that as an example where I'll look at a student because we talk about eye contact. If you look at one person for more than three seconds, it's really awkward. And um, so I always tell my students, I'll tell them that. And I'm like staring directly at one student and I'm like, how's this make you feel right now? And they're like, very good. I was like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) It does not. I'm like, you're looking away because it's weird. Right? So when you're giving your speech, scan the room, that's the biggest thing. Pick a spot on the wall that you always come back to. You know, and you look at people and you go to the wall, you look at people, you go back to the wall and it, it helps students. But I would say the biggest thing with public speaking, practicing it, it's really hard to get up and give a speech and just sound natural. Everybody thinks they're so good at it. And like, this is going to sound mean. They're not, we're not good at winging things. I still rehearse my lectures. I go through, I have to plan for time. I also plan, you know, what I'm going to say or a little anecdote. We got to practice things. And I've been, I've been in higher ed and teaching since 2014. So I've been, oh gosh, seven years now. And I still practice things because they need to be said a certain way, or, you know, I want to make sure I can stay on track. I know what I'm talking about. It's one of those things that it's a, it seems like it's asking a lot but that practice is going to make you stick out in a positive way. And so that's, that's the biggest thing I could say about public speaking. Also, maybe if you're going to give a speech, like starting having your students start off with, say something embarrassing about yourself, right? Like 
they think it's funny. They also get used to speaking in front of people um, because for a lot of people, this is their first experience with it. They've not had to get up and give speeches. Or if they did, it was very minor in high school. So not everybody went to schools of 2000 people. My, my classes in high school were, I think like 15 or 20 at most. And our speeches weren't really super in depth, like we're asking college kids to do. So I think that those help a little bit. You mentioned, you know, uh, going to, to college in Illinois and then in West Virginia. So where are you originally from? I'm originally from Illinois, the Galesburg area, which it's funny because one of my students, he, he's got family in Illinois. And I said, Galesburg and his ears kind of perked up and he's like, okay. I said, Galesburg, Illinois. And he's like, no. And I was like, yeah, that's where I'm from. And he's like, wait, what? And so we were talking about that, which got us off topic, but it was fine because it was one of those things that I was like, there's no way he's like, yeah, this is my family. And I was like, I know your grandma. I know her. And, uh, so yeah, I'm from the Galesburg area. Originally I'm about five hours from home here in Maryville, about 14 from where I was at in West Virginia, which was Morgantown. But being five hours from home, I'm able to have my own kind of life, do my own thing. But I still went home last weekend to spend time with family for my dad's birthday. You know, it's the five hour drive seems a heck of a lot easier than the 10 hour from West Virginia to Illinois. So it was one of those things that I was like, oh, I'm here already. I didn't leave until two o'clock, but you know, I'm, I'm home. Okay, cool. So yeah, Illinois, I don't stick out like a sore thumb here. Like I did in West Virginia. All my students were like, you're a Midwestern stereotype because I put ranch on everything. Uh, I told my students this, I'll tell anybody who's listening to this, put ranch on your spaghetti with the red sauce. It sounds like it would be terrible, but it's so good. And if you like ranch, true Midwesterners, you know, it's so good. Never put it on like your grandma's recipe for sauce though. She will get very upset. Don't do that. But I don't stick out. I, I do still say, oh, just going to sneak past you. But everybody here says that. So it's a little bit different than in West Virginia. And I've not been told that I have an accent here, which is nice. In West Virginia, everybody's like, you have an accent. I was like, no, I don't. I just have hard vowel sounds. <laughs> 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 it's nice to feel like I'm home. And I definitely feel that here. Awesome. Really glad to hear that. Just the community, the people, I mean, the school that I'm a part of, but um, the first week that I was here, uh, Brian Swafford in, in my school, my side of the school was like, we do trivia on Thursdays, you should come with. And I was like, okay, I'm here for that. And so I've gone to trivia ever since. And I, I've kind of found this group of people that we've got these like-minded things or not like-minded, uh, these similarities in interests. And all my friends right now are middle-aged men. <laughs> Which, <laughs> it sounds so odd because I, I am not a decent, but I'm a little bit younger than everybody who goes to trivia and I've never had more fun. And that's, I look forward to that every week. I'm like, it's Thursday. Sorry. I've got trivia. Like I'll <laughs> talk to you later. We're going to trivia. <laughs> and my family thinks it's so funny. They're like, okay, so you're friends with middle-aged men. I was like, yes, they're my only friends not my only friends, like Dr. Rourke, Dr. Brenda Rourke. She's great. She's my mentor, but she's also one of my best friends here. And I'm just like, I'm the baby of our school because I think the next closest in age to me, there's like a 10 or a 12 year gap. And so I'm like, 
hey, Brenda, hey, Swaff, like, do you have access to this? Or do you have copies of something that you've done in the past that I could look at? And they're like, yeah, we can send it over. And I was like, thank you for babysitting me. Thanks for helping the toddler, the little child. And they're like, well, I mean, even if you had been here years, we would still help you. I was like, I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say it was off the mimeograph roller. I can see (laughs) Swaffer back there with his little drum rolling it. Oh, that would be hilarious. I wish. All right. Well, thank you for sharing with us on the podcast. This has been really great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, When Travis asked me, I was like, oh my God, you want to interview me? Like, okay, I'm here for it. (laughs) So I've been really excited to do this. (laughs) All right. Well, let's take us home, Travis. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat. And we'll talk to you next time.